0: Hey everyone, welcome back to episode two of the Dog Disruption Podcast. I'm Brett Titus, going to be your host, and back with me again today is Leslie and Adam. Adam, uh, running the board, and Leslie, uh, another amazing canine hammer going to share some stories and some, some info with you today. Guys, uh, here we are again, number two. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. This is, uh, wow, exciting, and uh, love being here, and love uh, sharing the info. God, that episode one was off the charts. <laughs> right on. It was I, great. I, glad, you, glad, glad you felt that way. It felt really good to me, and I'm even more so excited to share, uh, get more in-depth in the info today. Yeah, you've got some great ideas uh, coming out here on the, on the dog training world. Uh, so uh, I'm going to toss it over to you guys. Leslie, how are you today? I am doing fabulous. So today, this episode, we're going to talk about good obedience leading to great control. And uh, last episode, we had talked about the difference between obedience and control. Obedience is basically the foundation for specific commands that we feel every dog, whether it's a police dog or a puppy, they should know and understand what these commands mean. So obedience is the actual, exercises that the dogs need to do and the control is having control out in the real world the dog being able to perform those exercises and the exercises we're going to talk about today are very simple and this is what we feel this is it as far as a a good obedient dog needs to know and that's a basic sit down heel come and focus i'm going to talk to you real quick about focus because a lot of people say well what is focus one of the exercises that we do, we require with our dogs, whether it's in the police world or even our pets at home, is to look at me. It's a form of communication between us as humans and the dog, the eye-to-eye communication that is unlike any other, uh, any other methods of communication that, that I've ever experimented with and, and ever used. And what we do is we teach the dog to look at me, pay attention to me, and then I'm going to reward you. And what that does out in the real world for control is if a dog gets confused or if a dog feels the need to do something, maybe disobedient, they're going to look to you first for either a, okay, go ahead or no, don't do it. That has really propelled me in the police world as far as having control with my dog. I've had a lot of people say to me, if your dog's looking at you, they're not going to be paying attention to their environment. And that could potentially be a safety issue yes and no um what we found is anytime the dog so when i first came up i was told uh your dog needs to work independent of you now we're we're leaning more towards police dogs but I disagree with that. Um, It's a dog. As wonderful as they are, it's still a dog. So no, especially in the police world, you have a biting dog. You have to do exactly what I say when I say to do it. Otherwise, we do get ourselves in trouble. So to have the dog pay attention to me and listen to me, it starts with just that looking me in the eye. And again, that has propelled uh, the, the obedience and the control that I have with my police dog. So the sit down, heel come and focus. Very simple exercises. I want to share with you one more exercise that we do that's not necessarily a command, but it is something that we think that dogs should have a good, clear, uh, concise understanding of the word no. Especially with puppies, right? How many times is that puppy going to hear the word no? Whether it's the leg of your leather couch or your tennis shoe that they're deciding to chew, the word no is going to be part of their vocabulary, if you will. So what we do when we teach the no exercise, I want you to visualize. Think about you and the dog. The dog is in front of you. We are always going to train. We're going to train with the dog on a leash when we're training every single time without fail and i'm going to explain that here in a second the difference between training and testing so the the dog is sitting in front of you you have a morsel of food and you're going to put that food down on the floor the dog is immediately going to smell it and want to go ahead and eat it you're simply going to use finesse and push the dog away via by pushing its nose or pushing on its chest and say the word no you're physically going to prevent the dog from eating the food. Once you do that, it may take, some dogs take 10, 15, maybe even 20 times before they get it, but stick with it. Be disciplined, stick with it. Keep pushing them back saying no, as the food's laying in front of them, it's so enticing. And remember too, a hungry dog works a lot better than a dog that uh, has just had a full belly. So make sure when you're doing this exercise that the dog is hungry and really any obedience for that matter. Once you push the dog back X amount of times, the dog's going to come to that moment of clarity. Oh, okay, I'm hearing the word no, and you're not letting me have that morsel of food. Once you see that and the dog pauses, maybe the dog sits or maybe the dog lays down or basically gives up, that's when you give that release command and say, take it. And then the dog understands, oh, okay, now I can have it. And you may have to touch the food. You may have to... Pick it up and actually hand it to the dog, which is a good thing because they are now understanding that they are not allowed to have that. So that's how we teach a simple no. If it's going to be in your mouth, we're going to tell you no. Where does that really apply in the real world? Like I said, your your furniture, your shoes. Um, gosh, what what's the... Biggest problem when we go for walks around the park. Goose poop. Goose poop. Oh, Lord. We definitely don't want them eating goose poop. That in and of itself is self-explanatory. So you're walking around. They go to sniff it. You give the no, and they understand through repetition and training that they are not supposed to eat that. So that's the no exercise in conjunction with the sit down, heel, come, and focus. That's no different than leave it. You hear a lot of police canine handlers use that phrase. That's the same concept. Absolutely. And we don't have to, the, the words that you use, I will get this uh, a lot of questions from people about uh, what language should I teach my German shepherd? It, it really doesn't matter. The terms that you use, the words that you use, it really doesn't matter as long as you're consistent in using the same words every single time. So don't use leave it sometimes and no other times because now you're doubling your efforts on what you're trying to teach the dog. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) Definitely have to keep it simple. That's not true. Now, let's talk about uh, testing versus training. Just by simple definition, if you are training your dog, the dog should be under your direct control 100% of the time. How do we have the best direct control over our dogs is having a leash on the dog. So if I am training, I am there for a specific purpose. And let's just say we're going to work on the down. And if I'm training, the dog will be on leash. I will have a reward. I will say down. I will pull down on the leash, perhaps push down on the shoulder blades. Once the front elbow's hit and the dog is in a good solid down, then I have trained the dog what the down should feel like, what it should sound like, and the dog does it. Testing is if the dog is across the yard or across the room and I yell down and the dog doesn't lay down, now I've tested. And if the dog doesn't lay down and he fails that test, now we've started. We've begun a bad habit of, yep, I heard the word, but I don't quite have to do it. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. That's where the number one thing that we uh, preach to people is that is the handler's fault. This is on the handler. This is on the dog owner of testing the dog too much. I've seen people do uh, try to make their dog down from across the yard. And before you know it, they've given 10, 15 commands. And as those commands go on, they get harsher, they get louder. Louder and harsher does not make a better obedient dog. It just doesn't. So testing versus training, you should be training far, far more than you are testing. Very rarely do we want to test our dogs. We test our dogs in real world situations. And if you've trained enough through repetition and that compound effect, you're going to have a better product at the end because you are constantly training and not testing your dog so much. So let me share with you the formula for training. The formula is command it, make it happen, reward. Command it. Let's talk about voice tones. So when you command something, um, I, I know I get commanded sometimes to, oh, I don't know, put my clothes in a laundry basket. And every once in a while, I know, I know, I forget to do it. And it's the tone that Leslie will use with me that maybe isn't so pleasant. Well, it's the same thing with the dogs. If we are constantly using those unpleasant tones, then we're going to have, we're going to start to break that bond. And we're not going to have such good obedience because the bond is not so tight with your dog. So what we teach is those of you that, that have kids or even nieces and nephews or have spent any amount of time with little kids, we understand how we have to speak to little kids. So what we teach is talk to your dog, communicate with your dog as if it's a four-year-old child. What I mean by that is how many of us would say, if you want your four-year-old child to um, come over to you, you don't say, come here. That's what we see in the dog industry. We are commanding and barking, if you will, at our dogs, where instead it should just be as simple as you're talking to that four-year-old. Come here, come here, bud. That's far more reward-based and far more easy for the dog to come to you. We see it all the time that uh, owners or handlers will try to, force their dog to come to them by a voice tone. Well, who wants to go to that guy that seems to be mad at me? No, I think I'll stay over here. Opposed to that person of, come on, come over here. And it's very inducive and very reward-based and happy. So when we command it, we want to make sure those commands are reward-based and very, very calm and very, and or very upbeat. So I think the biggest thing to remember is to be very succinct and positive in your commands. It, you're right. It's a um, pretty simple concept when you think about it, but we do. We, we tend to get away from that uh, for whatever reason. So just to make sure everything you do when it comes to your commands that they're, they're reward-based. Uh, next is make it happen. Now, make it happen is different than correcting your dog. I hate using that word. We don't correct our dogs. Now, nothing's perfect, but we try and make sure we make it happen. The difference between making it happen and correcting is just by simple definition. Once again, this is why canine training is such common sense based. If I have to correct my dog, that means I let the dog do something wrong. So instead of letting, giving that dog the opportunity to do something wrong, I make it happen instantly. How do I do that? Via the leash. So I gave the command, sit. I'm going to pull up on the leash, push down on the butt. I physically made it happen without testing, without seeing if he's going to do it. I do it instantly. And there's a reason we're going to talk, we're going to get back to that compound effect here in just a second, but there's a reason we don't want to correct. We don't want to pause a minute, see if they do it. Uh Uh-oh, they didn't do it. Now I have to give another command, which is a correction, and then make the dog do it. Then finally, reward. Reward You cannot reward your dog too much. That makes the training experience far, far more exciting and and makes them want to come back for more. So there's going to be three things I'm going to share with you when it comes to how do we reward our dogs. Well, we're going to reward by satiating what we call their drives. And there are three drives that I'm going to share with you for the pet world. Uh, There are a few more for for police canine handlers, Um, but we're going to stick with just the pet drives today. It's food drive, pack drive, and prey drive. Food drive, pretty self-explanatory. A hungry dog is going to do what you want him to do. Uh, The pack drive, this is my favorite. Pack drive is the dog simply wanting to please the pack leader. By pleasing the pack leader, it makes the dog happy, makes us happy, everybody's happy, and that's the goal here. By simply telling the dog, sit make it happen the reward is good sit buddy little pat on the head boom you've just satiated that, that satiated that pack drive um i use that every single time i deploy my police dog i use that pack drive and just ever so recently great example of had to uh, deploy to get uh, uh search for a really bad guy in the attic of a house and it's dark it's scary have to lift the dog up and it's pretty dangerous, and I'm nervous as heck. I'm nervous as heck. Every single time I get in one of these situations, doesn't matter how often I've done them. Yep, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, and you get through it. And the dog feels that. So how do I relax the dog? How do I let the dog know that, hey, you got this, we can do this? Is that pack drive? So before I deploy on any operation, anything dangerous, I look at him, I tell him, that's my good boy, buddy. You ready to go get that bad guy? You see his tail wag, he looks at me like yep, we got this because our pack is so strong and you have faith in me, I have faith in you and they go out and they perform. Same thing in the pet world. These dogs will do anything as simple as a, oh, heck yeah, I'll sit. If you just tell me you love me and I'm a good boy, then I will sit for you all day. So pack drive is of huge importance in, in canine training uh, and obedience. Prey drive uh, depends on the dog. A lot of the hunting breeds or the working breeds, they love the chase things. We have two different types of prey. One is natural, chasing rabbits and squirrels. That one's not so good. We don't necessarily want to use that. So, what we do is we introduce prey into the dog's life and that is just as its as a definition introduced prey so what that is is we've taken the natural prey of rabbits and and squirrels and cats sometimes and we put that into a toy form so now it's a tennis ball now it's a tug something that we can satiate that prey drive let them tug a war a little bit let them chase a ball that can be their reward so it's that those drives that were rewarding So when you command it, very light tone, you make it happen. You physically make it happen. Pulling on the leash, pushing on the rear end to make a sit, and then you reward it. And sometimes you can double your reward. Give them a morsel of food and tell them, good boy, now you've doubled that reward base, and that will take you so far. It's so amazing to see how fast they learn when you're doing it the right way. Last thing I'm going to share with you is that I mentioned earlier, compound effect. Think about anything that we've ever done in our lives. The more we do it, the better we get. And if we can do it in a very short, rewarding amount of time, it makes it that much easier. And that's the same thing in the dog world. If a thousand times, let's just say a thousand times makes an expert at something. If you've done something a thousand times, you're probably pretty good at it. So same thing in the dog world. So let's take the down for an example. The down, would you not say the down? Probably the down is one of the most important of all commands. It's the most stable. It is, yeah. And, and it's comfortable for them. It's the most stable. It's very easy to teach. So let's just take the down, for example. If we train three to five minutes a day, and you're doing sits, downs, and come, and let's just say in that three to five minutes, um, let's say you do that three times a day. And in that three to five minutes, you're doing 20 downs in three to five minutes, three times a day. So help me out here. Uh, (laughs) Leslie knows my, yeah, my math skills. (laughs) I know. I only took algebra, so uh, (laughs) you're at a loss. And I took business math, never went any further. So let's say 20 times, three times a day for just the down. Now, of course, we're also doing sits and focus, but let's just work on the down. So that's 60 times in one day in a whole whopping 15 minutes. If you've dedicated your time to owning a pet, owning a dog, then I think we all have 15 minutes a day. So if you take 15 minutes a day, um, uh, you're going to get 60 downs in that one day. Let's say you train your dog five days a week, five days a week and you're getting 60 downs a day, that's 300 downs in one week. Now let's do that for a month. So 300 a week times four weeks in a month, you have 1,200 downs in one month. See how fast that happens? And it's just that compound effect. And the beauty of that is it's reward-based, it's happy, and the dog now loves to go out and do a down for you because you've done it 1,200 times. If you spend the first, and I'm gonna throw out a number here, don't quote me on numbers, remember that, because every dog and every handler is different, but let's just say you spend the first six months of pet ownership putting in the foundation, using the compound effect principles and doing thousands and thousands of reps in a very short amount of time, you will then have an amazing life the next hopefully 15, 18 years with that dog. And that's what it's about, making a good, obedient dog doing it in a short, very exciting, fun amount of time. And that's where it all comes together. Whether you're a police handler or a pet owner, the more you can do it, the better off you're going to be. So remember, good obedience leads to great control. Work on your obedience in a very short amount of time. Make sure it's reward-based and happy. And you're going to have an incredible bond and relationship with your dog. Can't wait to do the next one, and we will uh, see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in to Dog Disruption, your source for better dog training, obedience, systems, techniques, equipment, and stories. Hosted by Brett and Leslie Titus, SWAT and police canine handlers. Be sure to subscribe to the Dog Disruption podcast wherever you get your podcast, and of course, leave a review. Also, don't forget to follow Dog Disruption on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find us at DogDisruption.com. And as always, be a good dog.